Sushi. A Christmas Carol. Christmas keeps men from doing business. Ebenezer Scrooge calls Christmas a humbug. When someone owing him money pleads for more time to repay, fearing debtor's prison, Scrooge is unmoved. Some men come to his office for a contribution for the poor and destitute. Scrooge instead thinks it better that the poor just die and decrease the surplus population. Scrooge's nephew Fred arrives, wishing Scrooge a Merry Christmas. The old man's dismissive and impatient. Even so, Fred invites him to dinner on Christmas Day. Fred married against Scrooge's wishes. Fred says he's in love. Scrooge sees it as one penniless person marrying another. He throws Fred out of his office. At the stroke of seven, Scrooge prepares to leave. Bob Cratchit asks for Christmas Day off. When he wishes his boss a Merry Christmas, Scrooge only dismantles the phrase for him. He can't understand how Bob can say Merry Christmas when he's so poor. Still, Bob has secured the day off. Scrooge hears ex-business partner Jacob Marley's voice. He's sitting down to a bowl of soup when he hears the voice again. He hears ringing bells and a locked door flies open. He blames the experience on an uneasy stomach. Marley cries out yet again, this time bringing Scrooge to his knees. Marley says his eternal torment is to wander the earth, seeing what must be done, but is powerless to help. He forged the chain he carries link by link in life, much like his business partner's chain. Marley tells him three spirits will visit. Scrooge runs to his bed, closing several doors behind him. He closes his bed curtains and hides beneath the sheets. Scrooge is awoken by the ghost of Christmas past. He reluctantly leaves his bed. He's transported to his boyhood. He sees his school, where he was often alone. His mother died giving birth to him, much like his sister Fan Scrooge went on to die giving birth to his nephew Fred. Shown a tavern, Scrooge recognises the kindly Fezziwigs, where he was an apprentice. The spirit suggests the cost of the party is well worth the price. It dawns on the skinflint that a little money can make a big difference to those with none. He watches his younger self present the love of his life, Alice, with a ring. He says he loves her because she's poor, not proud and foolish. He finds it difficult to watch this scene. He then watches Fezziwig being bought out by Jorkin. Fezziwig says there's more to life than money. Jorkin then accuses Scrooge of hating money and progress. The spirit takes Scrooge to his dying sister's bedside. 
after becoming hysterical, he's advised to leave. Fan wishes that young Ebenezer look after Fred. With the spirit, he begs Fan's forgiveness, face in hands sobbing. Young Ebenezer ends up working for Jorkin and is introduced to fellow clerk Jacob Marley. They agree that the world's very cruel and that they don't want to be crushed under with the weak and infirm. Alice tells Ebenezer he's changed. He fears the world too much. He thinks he'll be happier with wealth and storms out. Alice sobs alone. Watching the scene, Scrooge can't bear it. Slowly, a golden idol has taken possession of his heart. It's discovered that Jorkin has been embezzling from the company. Scrooge and Marley offer to cover the amount stolen in return for being allowed to buy 51% of the company. Scrooge is notified that Marley is on his deathbed. It's 4.45pm and business ends at 7pm. He'll see Marley at close of business. Christmas is very inconvenient. Scrooge is then short with his dying friend. Marley tells him to save himself. Then the undertaker moves in. After 18 years working together, Scrooge is criticised for mechanically inheriting Marley's money, house and furniture. Next up is the ghost of Christmas present. Scrooge encounters a big, bellowing man dressed in velvet and white fur by a roaring fire. Scrooge says there's no point in trying to educate him. He's beyond hope. He's accused of not seeking Jesus in his heart. Even so, the spirit will show him what he's been missing. He's taken to see otherwise poor miners joyfully singing carols. Bob Cratchit carries Tiny Tim, who's strong in coming to terms with being a cripple. Scrooge wonders if Tim lives. The spirit reminds him he once said Tim dying would decrease the surplus population. In the face of clear financial hardships, Tiny Tim says their meal will be the finest in all London. The table sits seven and gin punch is brought forth. Bob raises his glass to his son Peter, going for a job interview, and to Christmas in general. When Bob wants to thank his boss, the others grow uncomfortable. But for Bob... The spirit of Christmas is stronger than individual squabbles. With Mrs. Cratchit's amendments, the family drinks the toast. Fred is at a Christmas party with friends. When the toast is raised to Uncle Scrooge, the others have mixed feelings. Such is the uncle's unpleasant miserly reputation. The spirit of Christmas present 
shows Scrooge Alice, now distributing food to the needy. The spirit reminds him he lost Alice ages ago when he chose instead the golden idol. The spirit reveals destitute, symbolic children want and ignorance. When Scrooge asks about their refuge and resource, the spirit reminds him what he said earlier about there surely being prisons or workhouses enough for them. Scrooge is ashamed. The last spirit is the one Scrooge has been dreading the most, the spirit of Christmas yet to come. The Cratchit family discusses life when Tim was alive. Elsewhere, Scrooge's undertaker, laundress and charlady Mrs. Dilber all meet up with the pawnbroker. They talk about what they salvaged after the miser's death. The undertaker presents the dead man's watch, fob, seal, pencil case, sleeve buttons and brooch. The laundress has two sheets, two towels, a shirt, two silver teaspoons, sugar tongs and plates and saucers. Mrs. Dilber presents Scrooge's bed curtains, removed from around him as he lay there dead. She also helped herself to his blankets and pyjamas. The undertaker calls it poetic justice, and they all laugh. Businessmen also discuss Scrooge's passing. He left his money to his company. Wealthy and important men, they'll only go to his funeral if lunch is provided. Soon, Scrooge is on his knees before the spirit, pleading that he's a changed man. He wakes up in his bed, repeating that he's not the man he was. Now he's exceedingly happy. He has a second chance, after all. He regards even his own hands with a childlike wonder. Wrapped in bedsheets, he lets in his housekeeper, Mrs. Dilber. She has his breakfast. He's beside himself when she tells him it's Christmas Day. Mrs. Dilber is worried he's lost his mind. In the mirror, he wishes himself a Merry Christmas, then returns and adds, and a Happy New Year. He wishes Mrs. Dilber a Merry Christmas. She trips and cries out. He explains to her where the various spirits appeared the night before. He has an impulse to stand on his head. Mrs. Dilber sees this and runs off screaming. He convinces her he's not mad and presses a startling amount of money into her hand. He tells her it's for her to buy herself a Christmas present. He asks how much he pays her and quintuples it on the spot. She runs off, stunned at the man's newfound generosity wishing him a Merry Christmas. Scrooge opens an upstairs window and stops a boy in the street. 
He asks if the prize turkey is still hanging in the butcher's window. The boy checks that he means the one as big as him, then says yes. The boy's promised a great deal of money if he hurries back with it. The turkey is destined for Bob Cratchit's house. Scrooge visits Fred's house. The music stops when they notice him enter. Fred warmly welcomes his uncle. Scrooge then apologises profoundly to Fred's wife. She embraces him and he dances with her. Other party-goers then join in. Next day, Bob Cratchit's late for work. Scrooge pretends to remain strict and unflinching, then suddenly raises Bob's salary. He explains that he's not mad. He then asks for permission to help Bob raise his family. Since Bob is speechless, he suggests he add coal to the fire, then buy a new coal scuttle. Bob grins and leaves. Scrooge is tickled pink, overcome with positive energy, vim and vigour. Ebenezer Scrooge became as good a friend, a master and a man as the City of London ever knew. To Tiny Tim, who lived and recovered, he became like a second father. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Starring... Alastair Sim, Jack Warner, Kathleen Harrison, rated PG, directed by Brian Desmond Hurst, released in the UK 1951, runtime 1 hour 26 minutes.